Welcome to the Fierce Mama Warrior Podcast. This is your host, Jackie Hyman, and this is your hub of women who live to improve the lives of other women on the motherhood journey, health, wellness, and being their best. Hello, Fierce Mama Warriors. This is the very first episode of the podcast, and I am so excited to bring it to you because I have brought on one of the women that I admire the most in the world when it comes to helping other mothers. She is a lactation consultant, which means basically that she helps mothers feed their babies, uh, which is essentially the main focus of the first few months, if not the first year of motherhood, and sometimes starting even from the first few moments of motherhood right after the birth. Um, She happens to also be my sister, and I am so proud to share what she has to say. In this episode, you will learn why having a professional help you after birth is one of the best things you can do for a successful start as a mother, why new mothers feel more isolated than ever now, and what we can do about it, the secret behind the scene things that lactation consultants do with new moms that will definitely surprise you, and a more balanced view on the breastfeeding wars and different opinions about breastfeeding. I really hope you enjoy this episode. I know I love it. Enjoy. Rachel, say hi. Hello. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm, I'm just like pumped. I'm so pumped to get started. So you're a lactation consultant. Can you tell the listeners out out there what that means? What that means is that I help women after birth with their breastfeeding journey. And that could mean starting breastfeeding. It could mean um, fixing things that are happening that are already problematic while breastfeeding. It could mean stopping breastfeeding. But And it could involve questions about medication while breastfeeding, any of the above about feeding the baby. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. And I know... For me, like it was just life changing to have you there with me, especially the first time I had a baby. I thought it was just like sort of happened the nursing, the breastfeeding. I didn't really know that it was like a skill that you needed to learn. So I was so appreciative to have you there with me, even for that first time that I was breastfeeding the baby. So, can you talk a little bit about why it's important to have a professional come help you after birth? Um, Well, first of all, there are some women who things come naturally for and don't need help, and that's wonderful. But for many women, and I feel like most women, there are a lot of things that happen after birth and um, when it comes to breastfeeding that are not so intuitive. Mm -hmm. And some women suffer for six weeks saying, it just hurts for the first six weeks. It's very painful for the first six weeks, and then it goes away. But really, that's not the case. For a lot of women, it is the case, and it will hurt no matter what, but mostly... If you are latching correctly and the position is correct and you are holding the baby in the right way and squeezing the nipple in the right way, it doesn't have to be so painful. And sometimes there's something with the baby's mouth that needs to be adjusted or there's a tongue tie or their jaw's tight or they had a vacuum delivery and they can't suck properly. And there's so many factors that can affect the way breastfeeding develops from the very beginning. So when someone comes in the beginning and helps, 
That early intervention can mean the difference between a painful and miserable start to a very smooth, easier start. And even with help, it can still be hard and painful in the beginning, but it will make it less painful. And having support means you have someone to ask questions to. And sometimes those questions are, how often should I be feeding my baby? Or my baby nurses every hour all night. What do I do? Sometimes it's not about the pain, but it's about how to manage it. Right. Do you feel like a lot of women who give up on breastfeeding just didn't have the right support? I think that in certain times, it means a woman didn't have the right support. I mean, there are doctors who have told women, um, you have thrush, so you have to stop breastfeeding in order to get rid of it. Or if you have mastitis, then you can't nurse, which is... What's mastitis? Mastitis is an infection in the breast. And it's oh, okay. from nursing. So some doctors tell women these things, and if they they had had a lactation consultant to confide in, they might not have stopped. I do think there are many times where breastfeeding is not right for women, and even with support, it's not right for them, and they need to stop. So it really depends on the situation. But if it's because of pain or having a hard time managing it, like time-wise or whatever, I feel like having support could definitely have saved a breastfeeding relationship in those situations. Right. So it's so incredible what you do. And you guys can already tell Rachel's totally an expert on this. She has so much knowledge and so much experience in the field. So tell me a little bit about, it seems like I don't just see you as a lactation consultant because I hear a lot of stories about what you do and it seems like your role has sort of evolved more from strictly being a lactation consultant to also being more of a postpartum doula type of role. I know you don't necessarily call you that yourself that. I call Rachel that because I can see that she gives women so much support that's outside of just how to breastfeed that it sort of carries over. So can you sort of talk, tell everyone a little bit about how that carries over and how that role evolved? Well, by default, when you go into a woman's home right after she's given birth, and sometimes it's three days, sometimes it's a week, in, in, in any case, it's, it's really soon after birth, you're helping with more than just the nursing because the baby needs to be burped and the baby needs to be changed and they need to have their clothes changed and they ask questions about the belly button and how to bathe them. And um, sometimes I show women how to swaddle the baby. These things come up because I stay for usually an entire feeding, which can be up to an hour and more because we talk and I help make sure, usually try to make sure the baby is asleep when I leave so the woman can rest. Um, so so, great. <laughs> so we, we get through, you know, the diaper changing and all those things. And, and some women don't know how to do anything. Some women don't know how to put on the diaper. Some women don't know how to swaddle their baby or what swaddling is. Some people don't, they have questions about sleep and feeding and sleep go hand in hand because if a baby is eating all night, they're not sleeping. So, you know, by default, being a lactation consultant and entering a woman's house right after birth means dealing with a whole lot more more than just nursing. And a lot of times women need to talk about their birth experience and they need to let things out and they're emotional and they cry about things. And so it does become more of a a postpartum doula role because you're dealing with everything that comes with birth and after birth and the trauma of birth or whatever the woman is going through at the time. That's, wow, that's so, like it seems like it's such a fulfilling thing to be able to help people in one of their most vulnerable stages of life. And I just feel like if anyone out there is who's listening maybe is a brand new mom and didn't know how to put on a diaper or swaddle, like you may not, from here, just from hearing this, you may not feel so alone in that like it seems to be a normal thing not you know 
these babies don't come with instruction manuals. That's what our mom always said about us. And it can be so isolating to think that like, maybe like, oh, I'm the only one who just doesn't know how to do this. Or like, I'm sure feelings come up like maybe I'm just not a natural mother. Um, And there can be so much shame and guilt around that. So it seems like just having someone there to just sort of help you along in the beginning can really be healing. Yeah, I think it really does make a big difference. And also, you know, I tell my clients they can call me, they can WhatsApp me, they can Facebook message me, they can contact me with questions. And some do, some I don't hear from again. I have to go chasing after them to see how they're doing. (laughs) Um, But some just ask me questions like, I'm going back to work and I want to start pumping and what do I do? Or I don't hear from them for six months and they have questions about feeding solids. Or, you know, there's so many questions that women have and being available as just a place to ask a question that's not, on Facebook is really helpful. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> I I really like I do everything to avoid asking questions on Facebook because you don't know what kind of person is going to respond with what type of baggage or judgment that goes along with that. There are so many women who write on Facebook that breastfeeding is painful and so many women answer just get a nipple shield. And that advice right there can ruin a breastfeeding relationship. If it's not fitted properly, it could cut the woman up. And you need to pump twice a day to upkeep your supply if you're using a nipple shield because the baby can't drain your breast properly. And it's just something that people just go out and buy. And and it's probably not right. right, They could be not the right one and they're not using it properly. you know, so yeah, just asking like general Facebook questions can be can be detrimental sometimes. Yeah, that's that's such important information. And I think that one thing that I just admire so much about you, Rachel, is that I can see like you actually you really enjoy helping these people. You like receiving their messages. You like responding to them. You like being there for them. You like being their go-to person when it comes to all these questions and. It's so needed for so many women. So just know that if you're ever in touch with Rachel, she is there to help you. She doesn't she doesn't like get annoyed with you messaging her like a lot of people do and that's that's something that is really special and unique to her, I feel. Okay. So there's been a lot of discussion lately, a lot of articles coming out about moms and that it's a modern phenomenon that moms feel this feeling of being isolated, not knowing what to do, not having someone there helping them along the way, and the need for a village for new moms. And it comes from the saying that it takes a village to raise a child. And people lately online in a lot of spaces been going more in depth on what that village actually means that's not just a cute saying that it's an actual need that mothering is not something that's meant to be done alone so can you tell us your view on that and also a little bit about the history of how women I mean hundreds of years ago there was no such title as lactation consultant so like and women have been doing this breastfeeding thing since the beginning of time otherwise none of us would be here So can you tell us a little bit about your view on the village and the history of it? So, you know, hundreds of years ago, women all lived together with their mother and their grandmother. And those were the people who'd be there to help women to nurse in the beginning. They would be there for every feeding with the mom. And every feeding, there was someone to help them. And when I go to a woman, I'm there for one feeding and then I leave. 
and they're, they don't have anyone there for the next feeding. And if, if it's hard that feeding, then, then it could be very discouraging. So having your, your ancestor, your mom and your grandmother and, and other women around you to help you was like, that's how, women, that's how women learned. And there were wet nurses. So if someone didn't have enough milk or they had a traumatic birth or women died in childbirth a lot, um, there was a wet nurse. So someone who had a plethora of milk who would just nurse babies. And I guess where that village saying comes from is the village is having all those people around you. And our lifestyle these days in America, in Israel, pretty much everywhere in the modern world, people are living in houses by themselves. They're not living with their parents and they don't have someone there to help them after birth with everything that they need. And women do extend themselves, overextend themselves right after birth because they're taking care of their other children and their laundry and their dishes. And not everyone has... Um, meals made for them, which is a wonderful thing after birth. And our community is amazing with that. But um, there are people who are isolated and don't have anyone there. So I feel like um, the village concept comes from that. And it's very hard to parent when you don't have someone there helping you and helping you recover. And the emotional baggage that goes with, you know, the hormones after birth and the ups and downs and having a husband is wonderful. And the husband can help with the other kids if they're around and they're not working full time, which isn't a given either. Um, But women are alone in taking care of that baby, especially the first baby, because they don't know what to do. So I feel like the village concept is something that we should try to recreate in a way of helping moms not feel isolated and offering them a place to turn when they need help. And that's what I do, but I can't, can't be there all the time for everyone. Right. And but you have addressed this issue in, on a larger scale lately. So can you tell us a little um, bit about so that? So in our community here in Gush Etzion in Israel and Efrat, I decided to create what we could kind of use as a village so that women in the community could reach out to me and I could reach out to a volunteer base of, I currently have 45 volunteers so that if they need anything, whether it be meals or someone take their kids to the park if they're sick or someone to help them pick up a kid from gone one day if it's raining and they don't have a car, whatever it be, they can reach out to me and I reach out to my volunteers and find someone to help them. And luckily, we have had people reaching out to me who've needed help. A few single moms, um, some moms whose husbands have been out of town, someone who's been sick and needed her kids watched for the afternoon so she could take a nap. And I do have volunteers and they've been responding. And we have um, Shabbat meals planned for a woman who's in early pregnancy having extreme nausea and can't get out of bed. And so people are making her Shabbat meals for the next few weeks. So I've tried to address this issue on a small scale, but I hope that it can ripple out and affect things on a larger scale because I feel like it is something that just is needed for women to know they have somewhere to turn if they're alone. They don't necessarily need to use it, but to know it's there is really already comforting for a lot of women. That's so great. And I feel like it could even be like ahead of its time. Just saying that like being a mom often means being alone. I think that right there is is not is like a new sort of thing that people are just coming to realize lately. And and also like, you know, people don't live near their parents anymore. And we happen to be very lucky to live in the same town as our mom and have a tremendous amount of support that most people don't have. Even in the States, many people live on the other side of the country from their parents and their siblings, and they don't have family around. And there's certain times where you just need family and a friend who has other kids is not going to be able to help you in certain situations. So you're saying that it was really the tight-knit family dynamic where the woman wouldn't leave the house 
before she would move back in. Right. Well, I feel like women always live near, people live near their families. They didn't even have ways to get across the country for a while. So they would live near their parents. But I know in Israel, a lot of Israelis move into their parents' house for two or three weeks or a month after birth. And their Mm. mom takes care of them. Even if they have other kids, sometimes they leave their family and they go live in their mom's house. Right. And I think that this is just an opinion I'm like, just thought of now that I'm throwing out there. I don't even know if it has any basis, but I feel like in the United States, there's a culture that sort of rejects the idea of living with your parents. Yes. It's sort of looked down on or like viewed out with a side eye, like, oh, you live with your parents. And I think that one message maybe that we could put out there is that if you feel the need to, as a new mom, you feel the need to have more of that village feeling, more of that ongoing support on a daily basis, that there is no shame in living with family right even for a temporary amount of time because it's what women did for years and years and years until right. recent modern culture where that was looked down on or where people were moving far away from their family more and more and one thing that I should bring up also is there's people out there who don't have their parents anymore who are still having babies. Right. And those people we need to support even more because they don't have the option. Even if their parents live in the States, they won't be coming and visiting you know, when they have a baby. And maybe they have in-laws or maybe they don't. I've had recently a client whose mom died. She's only 25 and she moved into her mother-in-law's house, which is wonderful. Wow. And it's so wonderful that she had that opportunity, but not everyone has parents to help them. Right. So, you know, as a society, we should be trying to help those women even more because they really are alone. So maybe if obviously being near your parents, even if you want to be, is not a realistic option for everyone. So this model that Rachel's created of sort of finding a database of volunteers and telling women that they're they can reach out and a volunteer will show up at their house to help them with whatever they need. Could be a model that could be recreated in other communities. I hope so. I mean, I guess my goal is to try to get this working in a fraud and then have other people help spread this to other communities because it's definitely needed, you know, and I think it's needed in the U.S., maybe even more so in Israel than Israel because Israel is a small country and we already have a community feel. And my cousin who lives in North Carolina is really alone. She has no family there. She has some friends, but there's no community there really. And there's really no one to turn to when you're sick and you can't take care of your baby. You've just got your husband. Yeah, and I know sometimes it's just that women need company. Like I feel like when I had a baby, every time it was like, well, I can't, it's hard for me to go do stuff. It's hard for me to even run errands. Like it's hard for me to get together with friends because of, the nap schedule and the feedings and the breastfeeding and breastfeeding in public is always like annoying. And so I feel like sometimes it's just an emotional need for other adults where you just feel so lonely because you have a baby and you feel like you shouldn't feel that way because you have a baby. No, it is <laughs> so lonely. So it can be not, an ongoing yeah. cycle of, of loneliness and guilt right. later yeah. on top. Well, I mean, one of the things I said is you just want someone to come hold your baby so you can take a shower or you just want someone to come visit you. That's another thing you can call, you know, reach out for volunteers for. But I also think that we should reach out to our po- postpartum friends and visit them and offer to hold the baby for them, you know, or fold the laundry while you chat with them or have a coffee, you know, those things are also important that we can do just for our friends. And if everyone had that uh, consciousness of, oh, my friend just had a baby, maybe she's lonely, I'll go visit her. 
They might not want a visitor a week after birth, but still three weeks, four weeks later can be lonely still, even six months later. I'm so happy that you're putting that message out there. If you have a friend who just had a baby like three or four weeks ago, maybe go check on her. Like maybe she's really lonely because that seems to be like such a common thing. Totally. Yeah, it's lonely. And and you often don't have the energy or ability to get out of the house and go to a coffee shop, but you're still lonely and you're stuck in the house. Right. I know I was I felt always like tied down to my baby's nap schedule. Like if I want to get them sleeping through the night, they have to be on this strict nap schedule. But that meant that I was home a lot. So okay, so we talked about loneliness and we talked about issues with nursing and I'm wondering because you've worked with so many women right after birth, what do you think is the biggest struggle that new moms are dealing with today? There's two things. One is sleeping because you do not feel like a human if you're not sleeping. And I don't really know any new moms who are sleeping well. Many didn't sleep well all their pregnancy either. And the second one I feel like is feeling like they need to live up to a standard and be the perfect mom and that they have to breastfeed or that they have to do certain things. And I feel like a lot of women can feel like a failure if they're not doing everything perfectly and no one does everything perfectly. And there are women who cannot breastfeed for different reasons or it's just too hard for them or they're miserable breastfeeding and they feel like a failure. And really, in the end of the day, the most important thing is to be a happy mom um, and take care of yourself as best as you can because then you can do the best for your baby. And if that means that you can't nurse, then be a better mom and don't nurse. Um, and and you're exhausted. And, you know, um, I feel like, of course, nursing is a wonderful thing and I'm all for helping moms reach their goals, but it's got to be what their goal is. And if their goal is not nursing, I want to help them reach that goal as well. So I think the struggle, the biggest struggle, is feeling like they have to live up to something and doing that on almost no sleep. <laughs> that's, wow. the, that's the biggest struggle, I think. Yeah, I think that is definitely a huge struggle. And can, I'd, lo- I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about the breastfeeding, bottle feeding issue because it seems to be a big, heated, sort of controversial issue, especially online, where a lot of people feel like lactation consultants are a little bit militant about the breastfeeding, where it seems like you're coming from another, another view where it's not something that should be pushed Right. I feel like when I come to a woman, I ask them what their goal is. Because if their goal is not exclusive breastfeeding, then that's not what we're working towards. If their goal is exclusive breastfeeding, then it's not going to be easy in certain cases. It could mean pumping to keep up their supply and you know, nursing and then pumping and then supplementing. It could be a whole lot of work. And so if a woman wants that, I'm all for it. And I will do everything to help them reach that goal. But for some women, that's just not possible. And for some women, the thought of nursing and pumping and bottle feeding or whatever it may be that they have to do to successfully have their kid baby gaining weight and you know having breast milk, it's too much. And they can't even think about taking a shower, much less getting through the day with three pumping sessions. So I think that, like I said before, in the end of the day, whether it's bottle fed or breastfed, it has to be what's best for the mom and the dad and the rest of the family. And it could be that with more than one kid, um, nursing and pumping and all these other things that it takes with for some women to exclusively nurse is not realistic. And you have to look at the whole picture and the whole family picture. Um, there's mental health issues. Women who want, need to end up wanting to take medications that aren't compatible with breastfeeding. You don't know. Maybe someone had breast cancer and had a mastectomy, and they're bottle feeding, and they feel shame for that, and they shouldn't. 
They should be, they're a superhero for feeding their baby and taking care of their baby after going through whatever they did. And I feel like as a society, we don't know what everyone's going through on a daily basis. And if we make judgments based on, it doesn't matter what it is. We don't know what's going on and why they're breastfeeding or why they're bottle feeding or why they're breastfeeding in public with their shirt open or why they only pump or whatever it is. It's really what, what is best for that mom and that baby. And society really has no business shaming anyone. That being said, I do believe breast milk is the best thing for babies. I do think that it has a lot of benefits to babies, but those benefits may not be outweighed by the mother's health, the mother's mental health, And so whatever is the goal for that mom, it really should be in the end of the day, a happy baby and a happy mom. And sometimes that doesn't coincide with breastfeeding. I feel like that's so important to highlight that what you said, that sometimes the benefits of breastfeeding do not outweigh the mental health of the mom. Right. And I think we see this oftentimes see mental health as a stigma, like it means you're crazy. It could just mean that you're stressed on a daily basis. Right. That could be a mental health issue. If you're feeling stress on a daily basis surrounding breastfeeding, then it's possible that the benefits of breastfeeding don't outweigh that. Right. I mean, there's also issues with women who've been sexually abused or raped and having anyone or anything touching their breasts is traumatic for them. And they can't. They just can't have a baby attached to their breast all day. Or there's people like, thank God, myself, I love breastfeeding. I enjoy it so much. I struggle with weaning at a certain time because Mm -hmm. I really enjoy it. And I find it's a way of parenting for me. It's not just a way to feed my baby. It's a way to parent. It's a way to get through the night. It's a way to, you know, lay down nursing in bed and keeping my baby calm. And there are so many benefits to breastfeeding, but there are women who have situations or scenarios where they can't have their breast touched or they had a breast reduction. There's so many scenarios that we as outsiders and as a society don't see. And we have to know that everyone's doing the best they can as a mom. And it doesn't really matter how the baby in the end of the day gets fed as long as they're fed and growing. That's the most important thing. Yeah. I feel like that's important to highlight too, is that you don't know people's backstories. And I feel like it's some you know how it sometimes helps to like if someone cuts you off to say like maybe there's a woman in labor in his car and he needs to get like so just right. so that you don't judge them. Like maybe we could start making up stories about if we find ourselves starting to judge a woman for bottle feeding or whatever it is. Maybe we could sort of remember some of these stories that Rachel mentioned about sexual assault or breast reductions or anxiety or whatever it is and say maybe that's the case. There's also women who desperately, desperately wanted to nurse and didn't have enough milk and their babies weren't gaining weight and it pained them and they cried for days and days or even months about having to stop or even just adding in that, you know, two bottles a day of formula and it was so hard for them to do that and they cried and agonized over it and they ended up having to bottle feed even though they so badly wanted to nurse. And we should. So if there's a woman out there who's like that, who's listening right now, so what's your message to her? You did everything you can and you're not a failure as a mom if it didn't work for you. And um, your baby will be happy and healthy anyway. And it is hard and I totally feel for you that you know, if nursing didn't work out and you really want it to, it's a really hard thing. It doesn't mean that you can't try next time. There are things mm-hmm. that you can do for low milk supply before you give birth. Like what? Um, there's an herb called goat's rue that you can take during pregnancy to help build milk ducts. 
Um, there are things to do, and there are things. There's drugs that you can take. I have a friend who couldn't nurse any of her kids, and she took a drug called Motilium. And with her third kid, she was able to nurse. And with the fourth, she didn't even need the drug. She just wow. her body knew what to do. So you don't have to give up. But if you did this time, it's okay, and your baby will be happy and healthy, and your baby's not going to be mad at you for it. <laughs> and your baby's going to, you know, you're just as good of a mom if you bottle fed or if you nursed. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's so much struggle around. Am I a good mom? Like that's the question that a lot of moms ask every day. And the answer is seems to be if you're doing your best and you're doing Oh, and I heard something really that I resonated with the other day that I keep thinking about. It was a quote, I forgot where it's from, I'll find it, but it was the best gift that you can give to your children is your own happiness. Yes, totally. Because when you think about it like people who have moms who are miserable have a miserable childhood. Even if they have every toy and every like outing or vacation in the world, they're not happy if their moms are miserable. Right. And not just like, okay, like getting through the day, like surviving, like genuinely happy, doing right. things that really bring you joy and that really put you in a good mental state. So that could be things like long baths or exercising or saying, I'm not breastfeeding this time around. Right. Or leaving your kids for a weekend and going away and having a mental health weekend and you feel like you're a bad mom for leaving your kids, but you're really doing the best thing you can to make yourself happy. And that's best for them too. Yes. Maybe you'll come back so refreshed and just be like a rock star mom from exactly when you return. So one more question here. If you could... Actually, before I come to the last question, I want to ask you, it seems like your job is so fulfilling, this you know, coming into a new mother's home when it seems like it's not like a space that women generally want people to show up in. It's sort of like you, know, you have a baby and then you're in a little bit of hibernation mode. But these women are allowing you into that space and it seems like a very fulfilling... Th- not that you, like, you feel like, oh, I'm so privileged, like I'm allowed in, but like... Just that women are allowing you into their space and allowing you to help them and guide them, it sounds like a very fulfilling job. So tell us what's your favorite part about being a lactation consultant slash postpartum Um, doula. I guess my favorite part is just feeling like I'm really able to help these women and support them. And sometimes that means coming into their house and them apologizing profusely for the mess. Cause I mean, let's be honest, whose house is clean right after they came home from the hospital? Pretty much no one's. And a lot of times that means just helping them settle into their home and figuring out where to nurse and where to put things and what's the best situation for them. And I guess it's just fulfilling to know that I can come in and see the situation as it really is because in the hospital, you're not home. You have people helping you that don't really know much and listening to their story and seeing what they need and being able to assess the entire situation the physical space, the best place to nurse, how the beds are set up, where the bassinet is. It's really fulfilling to be able to come into that place and try to help them feel the most comfortable they can with what they have after birth. It's something that's a very private, personal thing. I end up in most women's beds with them, teaching them how to nurse in bed. And most people don't have other people ending up in their bed besides them or their husband or their children. And I end up doing that because I want to make sure that they're going to be comfortable in the middle of the night. So 
And did I answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. I guess like things that I just never even thought, like I'm, I'm loving that I'm getting like this new insight into what you do because I hear about it, but I, I never even thought about like, oh, you like rearrange their furniture so that they can breastfeed better. Like that's not something that people like even really think about when they think about a lactation consultant, you know, that you would come in and into their home and their intimate space and figure out like the best setup for a nighttime breastfeeding. So I think that's so cool. Okay, so just to end off, if you could have a sticky note on the mirror of all new moms with a message that they would see every day, we've said a lot of like incredible message, like you're a great mom no matter what and your joy is important and your needs are important and should be prioritized. But if you could have just one on a little sticky note for every new mom who's struggling, what would it be? Probably you're doing an amazing job because no matter what the woman is doing, if they're getting through postpartum, they're doing an amazing job because they're doing the best that they can. And if that means that they are so depressed they can't hold their baby and they need someone to help them, they're still doing an amazing job because they're doing the best they can. And people feel really alone. I think they need to hear that more. I know I needed to hear that more. Just like, you're doing great. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Something that women really hard. don't hear a lot. You know, like we don't, as kids, we grow up. I say that I talk about this all the time. As kids, we grow up like with so much affirmations about the good things we do. Like, oh, you ate that cucumber. Like, great job. And then like, you're an adult and we don't talk about the fact that like, we still need that a little bit. Yeah. We still, when we do hard things or think we get through something that's difficult or we're we going through a hard time or we have that shame or that self-judgment, just that little pat on the back. Like, hey, you're doing great. And I feel like people think that first-time moms, they really need this and they really do. But moms of second, third, fourth, whatever it be, children, they also need that too. And they get overlooked a lot because they've done it before. So it's not so hard for them, but it could be more hard for them. Maybe they have a colicky baby this time and it is way harder for them. They also need to hear that. Yeah, I think so for sure. I think like it was always said that like it gets easier with each kid. And so like my, when my second one came, I was expecting it to be so much easier. And then it wasn't really that much easier. And then when I had a third, I was like, okay, this one, it's going to be like a breeze. And I still had struggles. So I think it's so important for women out there who have had multiple children, if that's you and you're still like, wow, what do I do with this baby? (laughs) Which was sort of me. Like, even though I'd had two, I'm like, wait, what? A baby? Like, what? And it's still a struggle. It was still hard. Um, it was still not a breeze the way that people sort of made it out to be. So if that's you, then just know that you're definitely not alone. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rachel. It was awesome to have you. And I hope to have you on the show again sometime. Would be awesome. This was very Thanks insightful. so much. There you have it. Rachel Pearson, lactation consultant and postpartum doula. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did because I think it is such a valuable conversation and so important. If you have any comments or questions, I would love to hear your feedback. You can DM me on Instagram at Mama's Crushing or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Mama's Crushing Fitness. Also make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app so that you can hear more upcoming conversations with other incredible women improving the lives of other women. 
if you want to be in touch with Rachel, book a session with her or ask her any of your questions, you can find her on Facebook. That's Rachel Siegel Pearson, S-I-E-G-E-L-P-E-A-R-S-O-N. Until next time, Fierce Mama Warriors, feel good, feel strong.